0: what up everybody we're back Flowtrack track podcast episode i believe 479 but technically we've done 481 episodes because we had two emergency podcasts first emergency podcast was when they canceled ncaa indoors in 2020 that's when the pandemic started so that was worthy of an emergency pod and the other one was when shakari uh got banned for weed he did an emergency pod then so what will be our third emergency pod let me know in the comments or whatever email us what do you think if you can predict the next emergency pod we do a pod almost every day now so it's kind of hard to have an emergency pod um you know i could yeah. argue this is an emergency pod because kevin durant is now asking for a trade, and maybe he'll get the Sixers. But this is not an NBA podcast. This is a track and field podcast, and we had a pretty good Diamond League. I mean, it wasn't one of the best Diamond Leagues, I'll be honest, but there were unique moments that I feel like kind of stand out and maybe have an impact on my thoughts of World Championships, which is now, what, less than three weeks away. Super exciting. I'm back here in Austin, but I'll be flying back out to Eugene in about three weeks or so. So excited for that. But this is the end of the Diamond League season pre-Worlds. This was the final Diamond League pre-Worlds. Yesterday was the end of the world ranking uh, window. So they have the finalized world rankings as well, which has an impact on who is going to be selected to different teams. Uh, We'll get into that later in the pod. But first, we want to react to what we saw on the track these past two hours. And 400 hurdles on both the men's and women's side – Showed out. Start with Femke Bull in the 400 hurdles. She runs 52-27. Keeps on getting quicker. Now I know. Cindy McLaughlin is the overwhelming favorite. The girl is running world records left and right. But Femke Bull is inching closer and closer and closer. Now, not close enough for Sydney to be worried, but... If Sydney has a bad day, Femke Bull is going to be right on her heels and ready to pounce if need be. She runs 52-27. Diamond League record. She's now normalizing running 52 seconds. We look at the current descending order list. You got Sydney McLaughlin obviously running the 51-41. And now Femke Bull, who's just a year younger, less than a year younger, 52.27. 52.27. Now you know that's what eight tenths of a second. That's a lot of time. Eight tenths of a second is a long time in a in a in a half lap in a full lap race. But man, Femke Bowl is looking good, and she looks to be getting better and better as the time progresses towards Worlds. And I think Femke is going to be prepared to run sub 52 seconds in Eugene. And if that's true, that means Sydney's going to have to earn it. She's going to have to earn her title. I think she will. But she's going to have to earn it because Femke is running well. She's the clear uh, second-best 400-meter hurdler in the world. The little Muhammad is still kind of unknown with the, her dealing with injuries and, you know, with her having to buy. She's not as, you know, locked in during this regular season. But Femke bowl, hell of a run. Um, it's pretty, It's pretty exciting because, you know, as much as you want the Sydney show to go on, kind of need that, you know, that, that side character to kind of change it up and make Sydney have to earn it. So I'm excited for that 400 meter hurdles. And, and also, we talk about Femke Bowl. It's, this is kind of the, the this is the, 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 regular season of the overlooked 400 meter hurdler, right? Cause on the women's side, you had Delilah and Sydney, and the Femke was kind of like that third, third party, that the, the she was the, um, the, the what's, what's the phrase? Oh, my gosh. When You're on a date with three people. Third wheel. Yeah, sorry. Femke Bowl was the third wheel, but now she's becoming the second wheel here. And now on the men's side, Dos Santos, just a few days after Rye Benjamin runs the world lead, breaks 47 seconds, runs 46, whew, very quick, makes it look easy. Got me excited. Got me thinking, uh oh, Dos Santos. We may not have Warholm, but we are going to have Dos Santos versus Benjamin. And Dos Santos, who is three years younger than Ry Benjamin, goes out there and runs 46 seconds in the 400 hurdles. Again, Warholm, it's still an unknown. I don't think we're going to get 45 second Warholm, but. Dos Santos running 46 seconds. Benjamin just coming off a of 47 flat. That 4 hurdle, even without the world record holder, can be something interesting in Eugene. Dos Santos just looking great the entire time. Just no sweat. Again, he's, he was the third wheel last year. Looking like he might become the second wheel this year. to go. Maybe even the first wheel. I mean, Dos Santos is running 46.8. That's enough to, to make Rye Benjamin be like, uh-oh. I got to watch out for the Brazilian. You know, I got to watch out for him. Dos so Santos looking great. Uh, breaks the Stockholm record. Whatever that means. I mean, the there's, there's there's meat records and then there's Diamond League records. Diamond League records are the ones you really want to break. Meat records, you know, how often is that mark run there? But good run there for Dos Santos 46-8 and gets me excited for this for Hurdles, you know? We thought it was kind of down, City now running world, record, world records. Those Santos and Femke Bowl coming together, doing their thing. Ah, I can't wait. So, four hundred hurdles. But now let's talk about the story of the meet because the guy didn't run. We're talking about the men's hundred. So, men's hundred, before we talk about the result, we got to talk about who wasn't on the start line. Marcel Jacobs was supposed to be on the start line the Olympic gold medalist who just last week ran a couple 10 ones to win the Italian championships was scheduled to run in the Stockholm diamond league and then pulled out because he was feeling a little bit of pain during his warmup. Okay. I think today is the day we officially rule out Jacobs from medal contention. Like I know he has the history of kind of being no one's thinking about me. And then I'm going to win the Olympic gold medal in the outside lane. We saw it. And it was amazing. And we kind of looked at it. Hey, maybe that was a fluke. He showed up and he did his thing at the world indoor championships, beating Christian Coleman. So he has gone two for two on the watch me list. He's gone two for two, but Him going three for three right now is not looking good. He's just running 10 ones. He clearly is not 100% because he had to pull out of the Stockholm Diamond League. He didn't pull out because of the competition. The competition wasn't a bunch of Coleman's and Curlies and uh, oblique Seville's out there. It was Simbene, who's pretty good. Reese Prescott, he's all right. Jimmy Foucault, I mean, let's be honest. This is like a a semifinal. This isn't a final type field. Uh, Sembene, 10:02 into a headwind, probably worth a sub-10. You know, Sembene's good. He's not, like, running 9-8 good, but, you know, he's, he's good. But, yeah, this Jacob's situation, I think we got to kind of – I know you should never write someone off. Like, you should never – and especially in track and field, because when you write someone off in track and field, they let you know after through all the people that wrote them off. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna write off Jacobs. The guy's hurt. He's not the nine eight guy we saw a year ago. He is different. He's still talented, but he's clearly limited from the, you know, his his whatever his leg injury or whatever you want to call it. He's he's hindered. He's not in full strength. And in order to win a global title, you need to be full strength. That's why we're kind of worried about Carson Moorholm it be hard for him to win a global title, not at full strength. So Marcel Jacobs DNSing, and I think, I don't know. I just don't see it. I think he's officially off my list of medal contenders, 100% off the list of gold medal contenders, and I think we're going to have a new global champion. You know, we could probably have three consecutive different global champions. Ooh, fun stat. This is interesting. So... I'm going to look this up. We do 100 uh, world athletics, 100 meter champions in the Okay, so since 2009 we've never had three different global champions in a row. '09 was Bolt, 11 was Blake. But 2012 was Bolt. 13 was Bolt. 15 was Bolt. 16 was Bolt. 17 was Gatlin. 19, oh, actually we did have it. Because 17 was Gatlin. 19 was Coleman. 21 was Jacobs. And now 22, we're going to get someone different. So we're going to have a different global champion. At the hundred meters, one, two, three, four, five year, five championships in a row, that's nuts. That is nuts. So, what a what an event! The event was all one guy for basically a decade in the two thousands and late two thousands, early two thousand tens to now. It's a different guy every year. I mean, Coleman could come back and win, and that'll be kind of two repeat. But you know. We're going from Bolt to Gatlin to Coleman to Jacobs to probably someone different. Pretty wild. Um, but yeah, so that was the kind of story going into this meet. Uh nothing much really out of that hundred. Um, pretty milk toast type hundred. Uh moving over towards some of the mid distance races, Keely Hodgkinson in the women's 800 gets beat. I mean, We were looking at Hodgkinson as like the marquee runner to defeat a thing Mo. Now she loses this race here, runs 158. Mary Mora of Kenya runs 157. Good run for her. She's now run 157 a few times. Women's 800 starting to become a little bit of a toss-up type race. It used to feel like it was kind of an understood. You got a thing one, Hodgkinson, a clear two, and then, you know, whoever three. But now, with a thing, Mo, almost losing to Ajay Wilson and Mara More, Mora beating Keeley Hodgkinson, we're seeing kind of a little bit of parity coming along, which gets me excited. Women's eight's going to be not a, a known commodity. We're gonna, it's going to be very, you know, who's going to have it on the day type race, and I like that. Uh, Sage Herter had a good run for the Americans, runs 158 again. Um, Brooke Feldmayer, Breaks two minutes, uh, 159. But yeah, Mora is now coming, turning into a legitimate uh, medal contender. Hodgkinson's still there. You know, she can't take away what she did last year. She's still going to be in the mix. Still runs 158. Just didn't look like she had it in the final 100. Mora just looked like, clearly had a different gear than no one else had. And kind of very similar to the men's 800. Because I want to talk about the men's 800. Okay, a few weeks ago, I'm not sure how long ago it was, in the Men's 800, we saw a man, who, I forget his first name, Men's 800, the last event uh, cult on the, on, the, on the list. Bring this up, bring up the results. Moula of Algeria, he got second in a weird race. It was like a weird, he had a huge kick and he got a huge kick to get second. He lost to one of the Kenyan athletes. Uh, hold on, Pause. We have my smoke alarm going off. We're going to do a quick 10 second pause. Just talk to each other in the chat starting now. Okay, we're back. We're back. Uh, I have yet to buy new batteries for my fire alarm, so it goes off every 12 hours or so. Anyway. Mula had a great kick for second, and then I went, put all my money. I went all in on my Mula. I went all in. And I think the guy from Algeria, after seeing this Stockholm Diamond League race, seeing him pull away from everyone, he had that fifth gear that no one else had. He's going to win the global title. It's just like the way the 800's playing out, obviously, a little bit unknown. There's not many 143 guys. You know, there's some Diamond Brazier's obviously dealing with his injury. There's, Emmanuel Correa didn't run well in this race, the Olympic champion. Mula is ready to roll. The guy has a kick. He's going to be in fifth place with 100 meters to go in Eugene, and he's going to kick down everyone for the win. And he's going to run like 143-2. It's going to happen. Mula looked good. I love it. 144.6. First Diamond League win. Uh, beat Benjamin Robert. Beat another Frenchman. So it wasn't that crazy of a field, but still. Mula, get in on it now, ladies and gentlemen. Just get in on it now. You want to be part of the group who believed in Mula when no one else even knew who he was. That's what you want to be. Join me. Join the Mula gang. The guy's going to win global gold less than a month from now. All right. Speaking of unknowns, Mula is starting to become more of a known as he gets better. Let's talk about the ultimate unknown. Labula. I think I said his name right. He is an athlete refugee. He's only 23 years old. His 1,500 meter PB was 339. For perspective, 339 is probably like 50th in the NCAA. So he wasn't any, there's nothing, there's no pizzazz to his resume. But then in this men's 3K, he's going up against Jacob Kiplimo, who we hadn't seen in almost a full half year. He, hadn't run, he ran a road race back in February. And Jacob Kiplimo looked like his normal self. He controlled that race. He had a great kick. He was able to look like, hey, Kiplimo is going to be a contender in the 5 or 10, whichever he chooses. He clearly has the wheels. Doesn't seem like he lost a beat. But Labula, who's hunting him down in the final 200, is able to keep form. Kiplimo starts losing his form because he's going he's running out of gas. He's going full, full tilt on that final 20 meters. Labula still staying in good form, is able to pass him with about 10 meters to go. And the guy who... No one has heard about, who hasn't really had that much of a great PB, comes in and runs the world lead, runs 729 in the 3K. Incredible. And I'm just like, we got to add him to the list. We got to add Lambula to the list as potential global champions. Because if you can outkick Kiplimo, if you can run the world lead this late into the season in a 3K, you got it. I mean, you 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 have the talent. You have the ability to do something special at the global stage. So Labula, first of all, love the last name. Labula, that's going to be a fun name to like shout when you're doing play-by-play. Labula, around the back turn. Got to love it. Big run for him. Super unknown, right? Um, I think I saw he's a refugee from Sudan, I believe, uh, from like 10 years ago. So like when he was a kid. Now age 23, he's kicking down Jacob Capulimo. Hell of a story. So excited to see what he does at the global championships uh, in a few weeks. Yeah. his In May, he ran 814 for a 3K. And then in June, he's running 729. It's incredible. Anyway, All right. Let's keep going through uh, the list. Any other notable results? Um the women's 100 hurdles, this was my chance for Jasmine Camacho-Quinn to kind of have a big response to what the Americans did in the 100 hurdles. She didn't really give it to us. She wins 1246, albeit into a headwind. You know, it, albeit it is, you know, it's not, the, it's not the big stage that she's trying to prepare for. It is just a side dominant league. So she's still going to be a factor when it comes to it. But you got to like the Americans' chances because if Camacho-Quinn – would have ran twelve three, I would have been a lot more nervous for the Americans' chances to win gold. Um, women's two hundred, Dean Asher Smith, twenty-two thirty seven. I'm sorry, but every time I see a twenty-two second, two hundred, I'm always kinda like, ah, we know there's better. We know there's a few women in the United States, a few women in Jamaica who are running twenty ones. Uh, so Dean Asher Smith, twenty two thirty seven, nothing to really write home about. Again, it is still though. Tune up for the race that matters. That's what it is for all these athletes. Like, yes, it's a diamond league. Yes, it's a big stage, but they all know. They all know that win or lose, they're all going to be judged in three weeks' time. Uh, 3K Steeplechase. Again, nothing to talk about there. I will want to talk about the men's pole vault um, because Mondo Duplantis. This is ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's, it's getting out of hand. The guy on a second attempt, it didn't take him three attempts. It took him two attempts. At 6.16, throws down the world lead, which is also the world record. because it's his personal best. He vaults six meters, 16. Incredible. Mondo freaking Duplantis in his um, home country in Sweden, rose it down six meters and 16 centimeters. Very high up, extremely impressive in the pole vault. I mean, Mondo, you're just incredible. You are incredible. We've been talking about you since you were like a junior or sophomore in high school. Talking about you and you're doing crazy things at LSU, but now you're throwing down the outdoor world record 616 in Stockholm, and it only took you two attempts. It's incredible. I don't even know what to say. I'm kind of at a loss for words. I mean, I'm going to be doing this again. He's going to vault 617, and then he's going to do 618, and then he's going to do 619. He's just going to keep going. Like, and the guy is so young. He's not even in his prime. You can argue he's still a few years away from his prime. Still a few or two, few years away from his prime. And he's breaking the world record multiple times. They don't call it a world record. They call it an outdoor world best, which is weird. Just call it a world record. Why are we calling things outdoor world best? Doesn't make sense. But Duplantis... Gets the job done. And the fact that he did it in two attempts is just what's incredible. He didn't need three attempts to break the world record. He just needed two. It's, I, I still want, what I want, I want Mondo to just walk in to Eugene, wait for everyone to get eliminated, and then go do one vault at the next height that everyone missed at, and then go home. And be like, I'm going to win a global title in one vault. That's how, you, that's how you cement your legacy. Win a world title with a one vault. No, no, just one. Just do it. Anyway, Mono Duplantis, incredible. World record. Times it well. If he doesn't win, that'll be... This will be an interesting podcast, which we'll probably do sometime next week or the week after. Is like, who is the lock of all locks to win gold? You know, you talk about Sydney McLaughlin in the 400 hurdles, maybe a Ryan Krauser in the shot put, Mondo now in the pole vault. You know, there's certain, you know, I'm trying to think. This would be a good good conversation. Uh, uh, Triple jump. There's different events where you can see like, there's no way this person's losing. And I think Mondo may be the ultimate lock. I think he's going to be ranked number one among all the gold medal favorites. The guy just broke the world record. The guy just has no one near him in his vicinity. Like, if another person vaults over six meters, it's going to be incredible for them. And he's going to be like, yeah, well, I can do it. Like, almost, I can go 6'16". Like, I can go so much further. Anyway, I'm digressing almost on this pole vault. Let's look into the chat. Is the chat saying anything? First of all, chat, thanks for joining us. I appreciate you having fun along the ride as we get ready for world championships. Um, see what people are saying. Yes. Rojas triple jump. She's, the, she is an ultimate lock, but I still, I, I, I'm going, I'm going with I'm going with Mondo over Rojas. We'll, we'll debate it. We'll debate it next week. Who's more of a lock Rojas or Mondo. I still, I think I'm going with Mondo. Um, what are people saying? Dina Asher looks sick. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, clearly, Dina Asher is better than running 22 3. So it's just like the women's sprints have just gone to a new level where you need to be like all time type greatness to be considered, you know, a favorite for a medal. I mean, you look at this. We're going to have. Jamaica is going to have two 21-5 women. USA is going to have a, a three sub 22 women. Like, it's just a lot. There's a lot of talent in that women's 200, and ultimately, even more talent in the women's 100. So, okay. So we got Well Jenks Jenkins. Call me when Femke breaks 52 or gets within three tenths of a second. Delilah is the one she should be worried about. She's laying in the weeds and ready to make Sydney chase. I disagree. I don't think Dalila is playing some grandmaster move here to, you know, figure out a way to beat Sydney by not running USA's. I don't think Dalila is ready to run world record type pace three weeks from now. But I do think Femke Bowl will be able to hang with Sydney through seven, maybe seven and a half, seven or eight hurdles. I still think Sydney's going to pull away in the final two hurdles, but Femke's going to be there. Femke. Sydney will not have this one until the final hurdle. Like it's going to be close. you're right. she's going to break fifty two. Bemke Ball is one hundred percent breaking fifty two seconds. I just think Sydney's going to probably run fifty one low. Turek guy, who had better kick than Mula? Nobody. That's why you need to join Team Mula. Mula is the move. He's the person that everyone needs to be jumping on that bandwagon. Um. Some people talking about, you know, Marcel Jacobs. Uh nothing too Chris. Uh, David Tolson was was she carry at Stockholm post-meet interviews to speak on behalf of all the athletes. No, she wasn't. She was not there to speak on behalf of all the athletes. Um that is a one funny side note of that 30 second speech that Shakari gave to the media at USA's when she implied that she was the representative for all the athletes when basically all the athletes win or loss for the most part stopped to to talk about winning or losing except her so anyway but you know she carries the right to not talk to Mita. that's you're not required to do it you but you know the media is also not required to not ask you to stop you know hey you have a question. We have a question for you. No, I don't want to do it. Okay. End of conversation. But you refusing to do an interview is a statement in itself, which the world is going to react to however they want. Media is still just going to you either ask the question, you either choose to answer it, choose not to, whatever pill you choose to take. It's not the media who's going to judge you. It's the people who are going to react. Some people are going to be like, yeah. Don't answer the media's question. We love you. And some people are going to react. You're a coward for not answering the media's question. The question is, which one do you want to listen to? We're just going to ask the question and you are free to say no comment or tell us your life story. It's up to you. We'll film either version. Um, who do you think the Oregon is going to hire as their new coach? That is... Is a great question. For those who follow the NCAA, University of Oregon, Robert Johnson, um, is not having his contract renewed. So there is probably the most marquee coaching job available right now in the NCAA, the Oregon coaching job. And there are some people that we have been thinking about. I would say there's a big three in my mind. In no particular order. I won't rank the three. But the thing about this Oregon job, one, you need to be a great coach. Obviously. And then, two, you need to be a great, like, face of the program, ambassador. You got to do non coaching things. And some, you may, if you're not good at doing non coaching things, you may not be good for that role. And now, these three people, I don't think, I think there's one of these three people are probably good at both of those. Two of the other three are only good at one of those, but in no particular order. I would say if I was at Oregon and I was the athletic director and I had to come up with an interview list, this is who I would interview. I would interview Mike Smith, Northern Arizona. I mean, come on, see what he's doing at NAU, winning constant cross-country titles. The guy knows how to coach distance. And Oregon has a long history of great you know, distance uh, success, and Mike Smith would be the guy to have. Mike Smith I'm not sure how much he knows about sprinting, probably nothing, but you have to hire a good sprint coach to kind of handle that for him, but Mike Smith would definitely be a valid a, a viable candidate for the Oregon job number two again in no order this is not a, there's no order here. I would go with dilgi taylor b y u women's head coach. you see what she's doing with you know not limited resources but unique situations being a having a coach at a school at like BYU that has the Mormon code, it's kind of hard to get people who aren't Mormon to run there. So it's a little bit of harder for recruiting purposes. But you see what she's doing with her teams, winning cross country titles, individual titles. She just had Courtney Wayman get second in the steeple. She's on a run and she's super personable. she would be great face of Oregon. Um, I think Dilsey Taylor of BYU would be an, a good candidate. Um, and it would be pretty badass to see a woman have the, the top coaching job in the NCAA, and then another person, Jerry Schumacher, Bowerman. You know he's already there in the the northwest, the north the northwest area, Portland. Got the Nike connection. He sure knows how to coach elite talent. We see that with Bowerman getting, I think, five people to USA's and more when he go to non-U.S. Uh, athletes. The thing is though, Jerry, he's a secretive guy. He may not want to get into the the NCAA world where you have to talk a little more and like, you know, doing all the recruiting and all this stuff. Uh his kids are older now, so he might have more time on his hands because he's not, you know, going to local high school competitions. But I think Jerry Schumacher would be a big get for Oregon. And then after that, I mean I made a wild card like, Yo, What if Carl Lewis, you know, we know Leroy Burrell left Houston. What if Carl Lewis is like, I'm gonna go to Oregon and change things up? He, Carl Lewis, one who will always have an opinion about the state of our sport, always talks about you know how popular the sport was back in the '80s when he was one of the star athletes. Maybe him being at the helm of Oregon could make a big change for good. Uh, but it's not gonna be Carl Lewis, but. If it was, that'd be, that'd be cool. I'm just going to say it. No bias. I just think it'll be cool. Um, but then, yeah, I don't know who else. It's just, those are the three that I thought of that people around Eugene were kind of talking about it, you know, at the bar and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe that person. Oh, well, yeah, I can see that. So we'll see. But that's who I think those are the big three. Again, no particular order. I have no idea. It could be also none of those three. This is all just hearsay. I'm not reporting. So don't aggregate this. I'm not reporting. Not reporting. Anyway. All right. I think that's it. That's Stockholm. We will be back Tuesday. So it's going to be a long time of no podcasts. We did a lot for you. There's a lot more podcasts coming down the road when we get to Worlds. But next week's schedule will be Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. And then we'll go into the Monday, Wednesday, Friday of the following week. And then it's every day at Worlds. So uh, we'll see you guys on Tuesday. Enjoy the 4th of July Weekend, if you're not from America, you know, have a cold one. Have a a nice beer in honor of USA. Why not? You know, start a fire or something and call it a firework and have a good old time. I'm sure. Start some fireworks. Fourth of July. Be safe. Have fun. uh, Get some relax. And we'll see you guys on Tuesday as we are now in the countdown to the World Championships. Regular season is over. All the best athletes are now officially resting, putting their feet up on their couches, getting ready to fly to Eugene and uh, make some noise. Thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, do your thing. Uh, Also, if you're a member, we made two member podcasts, so check them out. They're on the YouTube feed. You guys want to listen to those, talk about ranking odds for U.S. athletes there. Oh, one last thing. Cool. Uh, Bring up, uh, well, yeah uh on the, if you go to the website uh okay. we created a graphic of who um is on team USA based off of the world rankings USATF will officially announce team USA um, in a few days but go to the homepage show show the screen called 2022 team USA it's a top it's a top uh banner on our site uh and we list everyone who would make team USA because there are some people, there's a lot of people who got in on world ranking. They didn't have the standard, but they got in on world ranking. So uh, check that out to see who's going to represent U.S. and Eugene. And it's a lot, man. A lot of four, four, team, four athlete teams because of the buys. Pretty cool. So check it out. Enjoy the weekend. Like, subscribe. Talk to you later.